Hi, I'm Paul Jay, and welcome to the Analysis.News podcast. Please don't forget, we have a matching grant campaign going on now. A member has put up $10,000, and for every dollar you donate now, he'll match it up till 10K. And if you create a new monthly or increase an existing monthly, well, we'll times 12 that. It'll take a year of those donations, and the donor will match that. So you could click the donate button now or later and be right back. In an article that appeared in Catalyst Journal, Gerald Epstein and Esra Nur Urgulu wrote, During the global financial crisis, 2007 to 2009, Lloyd Blankfein, CEO of Goldman Sachs, famously said that it was unfair that people were so mad at him and other bankers for crashing the economy because, contrary to common belief, they were, quote, doing God's work. God's work? Maybe so, but they were certainly not doing work for the economy, the taxpayers, or the people. Rather, it turns out, we were all working for them. However preposterous Blankfein's claim was, he went on to argue something that is contained in almost every money and banking textbook that is constantly repeated by economists, politicians, and bankers. Quote, we're very important. We, bankers, help companies grow by helping them to raise capital. And companies that grow create wealth. This in turn allows people to have jobs that create more growth and more wealth. We have social purpose. That's these, the way the bankers talk. In other words, bankers are essential workers. Well, that's the article that we're going to talk to one of the authors today. Now joining us to answer the question, are bankers essential workers, is Gerald Epstein. He's the co-director of the Perry Institute. He's also a professor of economics. He received his PhD in economics from Princeton, and he's widely published on a variety of progressive economic policy issues, especially in the areas of central banking and international finance. He's the author, most recently, of The Political Economy of Central Banking, Contested Control, and the Power of Finance. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jerry. Thanks a lot for having me, Paul. So talk a bit about this article, because what you get to uh, pretty quickly is that uh, what's essential is not the bankers. What's essential is the banking, meaning we do need banks, but they don't need to be private. Uh, so talk a bit about this idea that it's banks that actually are the creators of wealth, which is their big argument. And then we'll get into the public banking part of it. Right. Well, banks um, uh, are essential for uh, many activities, and especially for uh, activities under capitalism, but also uh, social democratic uh, uh, countries as well. And uh, the thing is, it's not that banks by themselves create wealth. Banks can only create wealth if they serve the economy and they serve society. Uh, when banks are just serving themselves, um, we argue that they don't create wealth, they extract wealth from the rest of society. And the problem that we've had in the last 30 or 40 years under this um, uh, what I call roaring banking or neoliberal banking system in the United States, the United Kingdom, and elsewhere, uh, is that it's been extracting wealth from society, enriching the bankers, and impoverishing uh, the rest of society. So yes, uh, real banking is necessary um, if it's serving the economy. And uh, in order to get there, we really have to fundamentally restructure 
our whole financial system. Maybe before we unpack this further, we should step back one step and go to one of the basic sort of mythologies, not just the bankers, but of, of the wealthy in general, who are supposedly the job creators. Uh, except the thing about wealth they don't want to talk about is where did the wealth come from in the first place? Like who actually creates the wealth? First of all, uh, Marx talked about uh, primitive accumulation. That is that the many of the conditions for, for capitalism uh, were expropriated from uh, previous uh, groups and, and people who were, were work, had the assets, the land, agriculture, etc., cetera, uh, and the workers who um, were working for themselves or in, in groups. Uh, so initially, according to Marx, and I think in many places this is true, uh, there was expropriation of the, of the initial conditions of wealth. But then, yes, um, capital investment, machinery, workers, uh, natural resources, all of that, when combined, um, and it's, uh, can produce wealth. The question is, uh, how's that wealth distributed, and is it used in such a way to produce more real wealth for society, or is it distributed in such a way uh, to, to build uh, wealth and income just and power uh, just for the few? And that's what we've, of course, been seeing recently. Now, Joseph Schumpeter and Marx and Keynes and others understood that uh, to produce wealth, you often need financing um, because uh, wealth only produces uh, in, the, in the future and you need to make the investment now. And that's where banking comes in. So there has to be a source of financing for many types of long-term investments. And that's increasingly true as the scale of production gets larger. We talked about infrastructure. Um, technology, uh, there has to be some financing for this. And some of it can be financed from accumulated wealth in the businesses themselves or in the, in the, the, the governments. Large and long-term investment needs some kind of financing. And uh, this can come from uh, banks and it can come from the central bank, but there has to be financing. And so that's where the financial in system comes in. And um, so that's why we need finance, but it has to be oriented to doing a, a investment for, for a production that really benefits people and, and society. So we know that finance as it is, which is predominantly privately owned, uh, pursues maximum return on invested capital. And any social good is, if, if there is any social good, it's kind of secondary to the mission. Uh, and I guess there is some social good because there is some financing certainly does get into the economy and so on. But it's not the priority. And we can see all the distortions that take place uh, from subprime mortgages to all kinds of uh, speculative investment. So while the economy needs financing, it doesn't necessarily have to be private. And that's part of what you get into in the article. That's right. But um, interestingly, private financing needs the government. It needs the state. Uh, one of the major points of the article, and um, I didn't invent this, I got there are many economists and others who have made this point, Mercer Barteron and others, is that, and Christine Desan at Harvard, um, banks need society, banks need the state to underwrite the banking system. I mean, we've seen that so clearly with the great financial crisis when the banking system uh, was uh, teetering on collapse and the, uh, the government 
in our country and elsewhere bailed out the banking system. Once again, with the coronavirus, same thing. In March, it, uh, there was a, th a threatened collapse of the whole global financial system. The central banks bailed them out. But uh, even before this, um, from the very beginning, governments have uh, have uh, provided a monopoly of, of, of issue of, of currency. They've given subsidies. They've acted as uh, the lender of last resort for banks. So uh, banks need society. Society and the governments in particular have been uh, subsidizing and providing the, the, the context for banks for, for centuries. So the question is, what does society get in return for this massive investment in, in finance? If finance is actually providing the goods and investment that society needs, then people, the working class, farmers, the government is getting something on, on their return. But if the banks are just ex exploiting this and extracting wealth from society, uh, then in fact, uh, the, the return that society is getting uh, is, is negative. And that's what we see with the last 30 or 40 years of private banking. One thing they would argue, I think, is that they provide an expertise that the state doesn't have. That in terms of global capital flows, uh, this kind of uh, globalization that requires an enormous amount of capital to go from country to country, and, and even domestically, that, that this expertise is only in the private sector. Is there any validity to the argument? There is a lot of expertise, but unfortunately, much of the expertise in the private sector uh, has, is used to make trading profits, short-term returns on speculation, uh, gaming the system, avoiding taxes, um, using the global financial system as a massive casino. So there's definitely expertise being used, but it's not the kind of expertise we necessarily need uh, to, uh, for example, make the investments needed to, to uh, make the transition from fossil fuels to, to green energy or uh, build up our housing stock. Um, that kind of expertise, sure, there is some, but it's easy for the state to get if they pay decent salaries. Uh, but it's really expertise directed toward accumulating finance for the real economy. Um, and uh, there's plenty of that around. It's, it's pretty easy to reproduce through business schools and, and other kinds of experiences. Uh, so um, I think that what the banks have been, th that answer that the banks gave is, is not uh, true in terms of the kind of expertise we really need. So um, the argument that we make in, in, in the, the paper is that there has been this revival of interest in public banking. That is, uh, banking that serves society, uh, but that is uh, either owned by the state or has uh, public missions, um, societal missions that's regulated uh, and that has limp is where profit making is not its primary goal. And in fact, there's been a, a real growth of these kinds of institutions around the world. And there's been an active movement in the United States. To, to try to create more uh, public banking and publicly oriented banking over the last 40 years. So part of your thesis, if I understand it correctly, is that the mechanism for creating public banks, and we're talking about, I think, more than postal banking, which is getting a lot of uh, talk, which is you know a good idea in terms of take some of the retail banking could go through 
the post office, which is a, you know, owned by you know, a public sector company. But we're talking about something bigger, something that could, could compete with or play the role of the two big to fail banks. And, and the mechanism for doing that exists. And that's the Fed. Yes, the Fed is one thing and there are other mechanisms as well. But yes, we're talking about banks that can, that can finance small business, that can finance public housing, that can finance uh, uh, investments in green energy. And these are banks that can be at the state and local level. Um, these are banks that can be at the regional level. Um, but the thing is, while there, been, there's been a real growth in these kinds of financial institutions around the world, um, there's been almost no growth in them in the United States. And the question is, why? And the answer is, of course, the opposition of the private banks uh, that have put up all kinds of political opposition against uh, the creation of public banks. So the, there have been studies, to there's been attempts to create public banks in Massachusetts, um, in, uh, in other states around the country. And there's almost always been significant opposition, not just from the private banks, but from the representatives of the private banks, namely the Federal Reserve and other, uh, other similar kinds of institutions. So what we're arguing is that um, private banks are underwritten by the state. They're underwritten by the Federal Reserve. They're underwritten by a host of other subsidies and financial institutions. If the Federal Reserve and these other uh, institutions gave a fraction of the kinds of financial support and um, subsidies for public banking that they give to the private banking, then, then public banks uh, at these various levels could be on a much more even playing field. And as they have in other parts of the world, they could really thrive. And in fact, uh, there's this I, argument has been recognized. There, there are groups in California that, that have been able to get some laws passed to create um, uh, municipal and, and even state level banks there. Um, Rashid Talib and uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, have uh, put together a, 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 um, an act, a, a bill, a public banking bill that would give, make the Federal Reserve uh, um, provide facilities for public banks, um, would allow public banks to become members of the Federal Reserve so they can have access to, to the support that the commercial banks have at the Federal Reserve, uh, to give grants for public banking. So there is movement to try to get this broad infrastructure support from the government that we really need to get a, a true uh, public banking system, or what I call banks without bankers, um, set up here in the United States. Uh, we've talked about this before, but it seems to me one of the critical things, if uh, uh, there was an administration, and uh, right now we got it's the Biden administration, and I don't know what to expect from it. Uh, what I'm about to say, there's no reason to expect it, but at any rate, there needs to be serious reform of the Fed. Like the, the Fed shouldn't be run by bankers uh, primarily. I know the head of the Fed's an appointment by the uh, president, but what is it? 12 different regional Fed banks are mostly controlled by the member banks, and those are all the big banks. Uh, does it take an act of Congress? to reform the Fed, or is it something the president can do? No, it would take an act of Congress. But you're right. The, the Fed has to be reformed. Uh, we need to have more uh, 
the, the boards of the regional feds, federal reserves need to be, uh, uh, there needs to be more public representation. There needs to be less or no banker representation on these boards. Um, perhaps the, the key members of the board should be elected uh, at, this, at, this, at the state or regional level. Um, so yeah, we need to get bankers off of these boards and, and put in uh, workers and citizens and community representation, representatives. Um, but the, the Biden, Biden can affect who uh, is on the board of governors of the Federal Reserve, who's the chair of the Federal Reserve. And uh, I think um, he really needs to uh, appoint a new chair. Jerome Powell, uh, I think, has really disqualified himself. He's the current chair of the Federal Reserve. Uh, by uh, under by um, undertaking policies uh, since the coronavirus hit that just bulked up the the wealth of the rich by increasing asset prices has done very little for state and lo locales for small business and for others. Um, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department under under uh, Trump were pushed by progressives to create new facilities to give subsidized loans for state and local governments, subsidized loans for uh, small businesses, et cetera. Um, but the way the Federal Reserve structured these um, facilities made it too expensive, too cumbersome, too difficult for uh, many of these um, states, locales, small businesses to borrow. And now um, Steve Mnuchin, the, the Treasury Secretary, says, okay, uh, you know, there's billions of dollars that the Fed didn't spend on these because uh, the, the the terms were so onerous, and now they're Mnuchin just said they're taking the money away come January 1st, and the Fed is howling, oh, you can't do that, we need the money, but in fact, uh, they were just sitting on it, they didn't spend it. Um, so I think uh, Biden has to appoint uh, a new chair who's uh, much more activist, uh, much more less beholding to the bankers. Uh, I personally would recommend my colleague Bob Poland to be chair of the Federal Reserve. Uh, he's got all the um, the uh, credentials. He's got uh, knowledge of low-wage labor markets. He's got knowledge of the green transition that we need to a, a, a fossil-free energy system. Um, he's got knowledge of uh, issues facing uh, the medical insurance markets and so forth. Um, so uh, I think he's the kind of person who would be an ideal chair of the Federal Reserve. And if not Poland, then there are other candidates out there, like James, Jamie Galbraith, uh, who was an economist at the Joint Economic uh, Committee and helped uh, develop the Humphrey Hawkins full employment bill that governs the Fed. Um, if not him, then there's Sandy Darity, a brilliant economist in North Carolina. So there are many uh, progressives who Biden could appoint as, as chairs of the Fed who would have a much more expansive view of what the Federal Reserve should be doing, and that's what we need. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, if, but if Biden appointed any of the gentlemen you just mentioned, uh, I don't know. He wouldn't be Biden. He wouldn't be the corporate Democratic Party. But yeah, if, if they were serious, that's what they would do. Well, then those of us on the left um, have to push Biden 
to, to not reappoint Jerome Powell and to, and to appoint somebody like uh, the, the three people I just named. Uh, there, there's a lot of talk that there's a possibility of Yellen being at the Treasury Department. What do you think of that? Well, it's not a bad choice, actually. She did a decent job at the Fed, though she was too worried about uh, maintaining the anti-inflation credentials of the Fed and, and kept worrying about raising interest rates. But um, she was also very focused on issues of economic inequality, on low-wage labor markets, um, and uh, she's very committed, I think, to issues of equity and low-wage uh, and trying to raise the standard of living of, of low-wage workers. Um, and I think that uh, of the, among the choices who they're talking about, I think a lot there's a lot to be said for her. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, who I think would be great, uh, there are all kinds of political problems. Uh, what would happen to that Senate seat in Massachusetts, for example? It's entirely unclear. The Democrats can't afford to risk a Senate seat. Uh, so... Um, and I'm sure there'd be a tough fight in the Senate over her. I think Janet Yellen is somebody who could do a, a good job. Well, it's someone that wouldn't create a total war with the financial sector. And, and Warren probably would because of her advocacy of the wealth tax. Although even uh, I'm sure Biden wouldn't support such a tax. Uh, let's go back to the public banking. H how would it develop to have something of a scale that it could play the role that that some of the big banks now play, whether it's any of the majors or even Goldman Sachs types, that really could manage and facilitate the kind of capital flows modern capitalism needs. And you're talking about some global examples. Are there any examples in other countries at the kind of scale that that's necessary? For example, the the state bank in in Brazil, the BNDES, uh, is a massive development bank there. Um, and for Brazil, it is a, a major player in the Brazilian uh, financial markets. So, for example, in the United States, uh, there, there are a lot of people have recommended there being a green bank, a major, a massive green bank uh, that would facilitate investment in green energy and uh, alternative energy and so forth. And that would have to be quite that would have to be at scale. That would have to be large. Does that does that require an act of Congress or is that something in combination of an executive order and the Fed could come about? No, I think that would require an act of Congress. So if we're, if we're talking about political feasibility, that's another issue. But you're but in any but I, the point that you're making about the Fed is right. That it, the Fed has to play or a similar institution has to play a, a, an important role in underwriting, providing liquidity facilities possibly guarantees and so forth for these kinds of institutions. Uh, some people propose a public, uh, a national investment bank um, that would uh, be, uh, a, that would that would mobilize savings, both private and public, and would in, help to in, invest in, in major infrastructure investment. So that's another idea that's been, been floated around. Um, all of these would require uh, support by the Federal Reserve or by a similar kinds of institution. During the Great Depression, a whole network of farm banks were set up, modeled on the Federal Reserve System, and there's, they still exist to this day. There was the Reconstruction Finance Corporation that was created. Uh, at that time, there was a big fight over the Reconstruction Finance Corporation. Some people wanted um, it, it, to, it to be in the Fed and the Fed to, to be turned into a public bank, a massive public bank. 
So that's another way we could go is have the Federal Reserve itself become a massive public bank. Um, and uh, there are so there are people who have argued for that, too. But uh, I think some of those activities the Federal Reserve could start undertaking uh, without an act of Congress. They could just start investing more uh, in supporting industry and in supporting um, infrastructure. Uh, there wouldn't, it wouldn't take an act of Congress for the Federal Reserve to start undertaking a, a, um, a whole a broader range of activities. And that's why I was arguing for somebody like Bob Poland to be chair. Uh, who would push that kind of thing? You can do the Fed could do a lot without an act of Congress. It can loan money to state-owned publicly public banks. Like there is a public state-owned bank, for example, in North Dakota. If California set up a big state-owned bank to fund green projects in California, the Fed could loan money to that without an act of Congress. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So short of an act of Congress, the Fed could be doing a lot more of that kind of thing in conjunction with creation of, of public banks and other institutions. And they may have to. If the Republicans control Congress, uh, you know, as, as, as meek and mild as the Biden climate agenda is, of course, it's more than a Trump climate agenda, which is a zero. But it's even, negative. you know, if they want to get serious. Yeah, negative. Yeah, right. Not zero. It's a negative. Yeah. Uh, if the Biden actually wants to do something on climate, and I believe they want to do something, although that's something so far awfully based on carbon capture. But if the Senate is controlled by the Republicans, then controlling state initiatives, you know, may be the main way they could do this. That's right. And the Federal Reserve could play a significant role in helping to underwrite uh, those activities. The danger, of course, is if the Congress re is in Republican hands. Uh, they could rein in the Fed because the Federal Reserve is an active is is a creature of Congress. But um, short of that, under the current, but as long as long as the House is yeah. still Democrat, the Senate couldn't do that, right? By itself, not by itself. That's right, unless they got support. From it. So yeah, there's a lot more the Fed could can and should do. So you you were mentioning earlier that there's there is a campaign there's a lot of people organizing to create these banks and and certainly the the perspective of having them at a state level and in certain states it's a heck of a lot more achievable uh to create a a, a publicly owned bank with a public interest agenda um what's happening in terms of of the activism on that there's a network of public banking adv advocate groups uh that are getting together and sharing ideas about how to do this. And it's most advanced in California, but um, there are groups in Massachusetts and Washington state and in other states. So uh, there's a lot of really great activists out there working on this, but they also realize they need a more national plan, a national vision. And so I think they came together along with others to try to help uh, AOC and Rashid Tlaib develop this public banking bill, which would really I think be a game changer if that something like that were passed because it would create this national infrastructure and bring the Federal Reserve into it to support this whole network. So um, I think there's a lot of important work being done at the state and local level, but they're getting together in a national network and they've made some strides in terms of uh, linking up with progressive politicians like AOC and Rashid Tlaib and others to, to try to bring Congress into this to to make uh, make more happen for public banking. All right, great. Thanks very much for joining us, Jerry. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. 
Uh, please don't forget the donate button over at the webpage. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms or if you're watching on YouTube, uh, come on over to the analysis.news and uh, there, you'll see there there's some options. One, if you donate, the matching grant will match your donation. If you s sign up for a monthly, that gets matched times 12. Uh, same thing if you increase your monthly donation, that gets matched. Uh, so if you haven't donated or if you want to donate again, go, go on over. Uh, thanks for joining us on the analysis.news. Mm -hmm.